dun, 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 dun. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome. It's Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and you're at your place for the unfiltered experience where we invite you to open up your mind, expand your opportunities, shift your perspectives, and have a truly awesome life. I'm Christopher Roush, your host, the No Excuses Coach, rocking my Guns N' Roses shirt tonight. Normally, I don't wear shirts with uh, uh, logos on them, but I decided I was already out today, and I'm going to wear my Guns N' Roses shirt. So consider this a special episode. And not only is this a special episode because I wore a different shirt. Yeah, you guys put that in your Hall of Fame shit. Um, tonight, we have a special guest host because, as you know, where's Scott? Where's Scott? Well, Scott is uh, playing with Tigers in Tanzania. So uh, I don't know who's getting the better deal. If I get to have the better deal doing the show with my co-host, which I'm going to introduce introduce in just a second, or if he is in Tanzania having the the great experience with the Tigers, who has, who has it better? So we wish Scott the best. Thank you, Scott, for, uh, for allowing us to have this opportunity to have a guest host tonight. And with that, I am going to introduce, you guys might know her as Mary Kay, the beautiful redhead, wonderful woman who's out there, amazing people with her career coach advice and, uh, uh, and just supporting everybody. She's got a show with her buddy, Scott, um, called All In uh, All in or Nothing. Uh, I'll have her explain that because I just totally butchered it. But please welcome Miss Mary Kay. What's going on, Mary Kay? Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm rocking and rolling. I'm hyped up. I'm excited for this uh, conversation. And uh, I screwed up the name of the podcast. What's Thank the name you. of the podcast with you and Scott? The name of the podcast is The Life Between All or Nothing. That's what I had like three different podcast names in my yeah. head. And I just watched the, the episode you guys did last night with our brother Walt McKinley and his wife Stephanie. That was a that was a phenomenal conversation. That was so exciting. I was so emotional. I was trying to not not be emotional. And yeah. uh, with those two, it's it's pretty hard. Yeah. But they yeah. were amazing. They're just amazing people. Yeah, I thought she did a great job for somebody who didn't even yeah. want to go on Clubhouse without a camera yeah. on. And there she's on camera. Now they're going to do their own podcast called the warrior podcast. So we're all about supporting our family up in here at the unfiltered experience. We got uh, Ron in the house. I'm not used to seeing Ronald, but what's up, Ron? He says, Chris, my Hi, brother. Ronald. And he says, Mary Kay is in the house. Yes, we all, we're all three of us <laughs> plus Lee height are in a book club together. We meet every Monday. Happy, so. happy birthday in advance to Ron. His birthday's tomorrow. Ron's birthday's happy tomorrow. Birthday. He's going to be 21 it all is. over again. Yep, yeah, that's right. He's going to go do it upright. If I was up in Canada, I'd take him to uh, take him to a bar and buy him a few drinks and then get him in trouble. You need to come to Canada, Chris. I will get me a speaking gig. I'll come up there in two seconds. <gasps> okay. Yeah. We'll work on that. See, so book me and, I'll, and then I'll come up there and I'll speak and then I'll hang out with you guys and we'll go do something for the homeless or something. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. So before we get started, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to let you know about an amazing organization called Help Heal Humanity, helphealhumanity.org for you guys listening on the podcast. It is a phenomenal organization that is all about helping to heal humanity as the name implies. I've been on the board of directors now for three years and it's phenomenal. And the reason why I joined is I got the opportunity to interview the CEO and the founder, Serena Buffalino, who's been on this show a couple of times. She's been on my Raw Unscripted show a couple of times. And she was so inspired by my story and inspired by the fact that I was inspired by her story. She invited me to be on the board of directors and just getting on the inside look of what this organization does. The fact that nobody takes a paycheck, all of the money goes directly towards the expenses and what it is that we're doing to raise awareness to help heal humanity, whether it's building a school in Haiti or feeding the homeless in Canada or doing things here in the United States. For you guys watching and listening to this, when you get value out of this particular episode, and I'm sure you will, 
I want you to take notes. When you get value out of this, do what you can to help heal humanity. Go to helphealhumanity.org, make a donation, whether it's 20 bucks, 25 bucks, 100 bucks, sponsor a child, whatever it is you possibly can do. And then send me a picture of it and just let me know that you did that so I can personally thank you. And for those of you who donate $200, $200 or more, you get an hour of my coaching uh, absolutely free. So you get a tax deductible donation. You help feed many, many, many people with $200. And you get an opportunity to hang out with the No Excuses Coach for an hour and get your year started off right. So thank you guys for doing that, go check it out, helphealhumanity.org. You can go in there and see the volunteer tab. We have open positions on the board and within the organization that we're hiring for, we're expanding. And if you guys find a heart in your, your soul that you would like to give back and you feel that you uh, wanna take my advice, go check out the website, see what it is all about. And then let me know if you have any questions, but we'd love to have you on there because we wanna continue to help heal humanity. Thank you for that. And with that, Miss Ashley or Miss uh, Mary Kay, God, I've like got three different names. Yeah. I have a Mary, I have no one, Ashley, who's got a Mary Kay. At least you didn't call me Scott. <laughs> All right, Scott, my brother Scott. Um, tonight we have another phenomenal guest for you. And uh, if you guys have made any types of declarations or resolutions or promises to yourself to take better care of yourself and to take better care of the food that you're putting into your body and the way you're taking care of your health and your exercise and everything else, you're going to want to take notes on this because tonight we have expert Mr. Jeff Ash. Jeff, welcome to the show, brother. The Unfiltered Experience. Hey, thanks for having me on. You welcome. are most welcome. It's uh, You and I met um, doing a, uh, I think it was doing something for the um, the Three Hearts organization, right? Um, Mental Health Warriors. Or, oh, that's um, what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I keep meeting people all over the place. Yeah. We were doing something with Adam Duvall. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I got to remember all these different things because I'm meeting <laughs> people from all over the world. <laughs> me too. It's crazy. Yeah. So thank you for being here. And one of the first questions I really have for you is I noticed that your, your website is called uh, Hope Drives. Hope Drives Me. What, what mm -hmm. inspired you to, to, to name that where normally people are naming their websites after themselves? Yeah, it's kind of interesting because that one, um, that name my wife came up with, she still gives me a hard time because she was planning to do something with it, but she never did. And I just sort of stole it and, and have gone with it. But yeah, you know, she, she likes to tease me about that. But uh, it really came out of her experience dealing with uh, chronic medical issues. So she has a chronic brain condition called idiopathic intracranial hypertension, where she gets too much spinal fluid pressure built up in her brain. And it can cause like vision loss and different things like that. In fact, last night she lost her vision for a little while, but um, it's something we've been dealing with since about a month after we got married uh, back in 2012. And so, um, yeah, so that's been one of those things. She also has lupus and, and some other ongoing chronic things that basically impacts every aspect of her life and, and our life and that kind of thing. And so the hope drives me came out of that. It's that, that, that hope is what keeps driving us forward to stay together, to, to get through life, to enjoy life, to find, you know, those things that, that bring us both joy and, and fulfillment and that kind of thing. So that's where, that's where the name came from. And it, and it really just fit perfectly with the coaching style that I use. Nice. So when you, when you think about that and so hope must drive you, what is your origin story in all of this, Jeff? Cause I'm sure maybe something happened in your previous life. I've had other guests on the show, similar to your expertise. And I found out that they were formerly obese. They were formerly out of shape and they got serious about their health. They got a cancer diagnosis or something like that. So talk to us about your origin story and what got you to be the health expert that you are today. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've always been active and involved in sports. You know, I played baseball in high school and growing up and pretty much ran around doing something active my entire childhood. And then I got into rock climbing in my teen years and did some competitive rock climbing, late teens, early twenties, 
that kind of thing. Uh, worked as a climbing guide, that all of that stuff. And then uh, got married and stepped away from climbing. But of course, throughout my adult life, I've been getting back into various things. And so, you know, I got into karate when my kids were studying karate and thought, oh, that'd be fun. And then of course, whenever I get involved in anything, I have to join competitions because I just, <laughs> I just love competing. <laughs> so, so I competed in karate and won, uh, you know, three national championship things at my level and that kind of thing. And so I've always enjoyed doing that, that stuff. And then got away from karate. Well, in 2010, my first wife passed away uh, of cancer oh, that we didn't know about. And so through that process, I ended up, um, you know, I remarried my wife now and we moved away from, from where I was living. And so I got away from karate then and, and then ended up just kind of getting into cycling and, and weightlifting, weight training, that kind of thing in, in the gym. So the typical gym things. And I got into doing some bodybuilding stuff and some transformation challenges, you know, the bodybuilding.com thing where you, you do your 12 week thing before and after pictures. And it yeah. got me really interested in learning much more about the nutrition science and all of that. And so I, I started, you know, I got my personal training certification, started working with clients, uh, got a qualification as a nutritionist through uh, MNU located in the UK, and then uh, have gone on and got my certification as an intuitive eating uh, coach. So i uh, been doing that for the last few years. And uh, so I kind of I kind of started off in the whole like with that bodybuilding approach, typical approach to fitness, where it was about focusing on building muscle, getting lean, that kind of thing. But uh, as I went through and saw uh, you know, a lot of how my wife was dealing with things, the struggles she was going through, other normal people who just are trying to be healthy and active and, and enjoy life then I really started transitioning more into the area I'm in now, which is uh, intuitive eating and what we call a weight neutral approach to health. Love it. Mary Kay. Weight neutral. So yeah. you knew I wanted to ask something. <laughs> I knew I could see it in your mind. You were getting fidgety. I heard, I heard intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. Can you explain to us what, what is intuitive eating? Yeah, well, let me ask you this: What do you what do you think it is? You've heard you probably heard it um, in maybe in fitness circles, or maybe you've heard it thrown around. Do either of you guys have any any ideas at all? I can guess, so I can guess okay. just, just okay. thinking about it. You guess, yeah. and you'll probably get it right. So, <laughs> I feel like cucumbers. I feel like cheese. Like that. That's the only way I can think of. Okay. Yeah, eating eating what I feel like eating, maybe. Okay, yeah, that's, sort of. That's, yeah, that's, that's the same thing I was going to say. Is like intuitively, <laughs> I know that I should be eating these things, and intuitively, I know that those would be good for my body. You know, I, 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 my pleasure center says I want chocolate, but my intuitive self says, you know, to have something maybe with some sugar-free candy or some sugar-free pie or something like that. So intuitively, <laughs> we kind of know what we're good, what we need, but it's the it's the short-term gratification that often screws us up. But okay, yeah, real, I mean, that's. Yeah, it's an interesting, an interesting thing. And that's a fairly common um, assumption when you hear the word. And it kind of makes sense, you know, because you're, you're taking the words intuitive and eating and sort of yeah. <laughs> putting together what those those words would mean um, in the definition. But there's actually a, a framework. Um, it's, it's a self care eating framework that integrates instinct, emotion, and rational thought. Um, and it's designed to help people transform their relationship with food and their body without any kind of restriction, guilt, or shame. Mm. So it's sort of like what you said, where you're, you're eating what your body seems to be directing you toward. 
but at the same time, a lot of, you know, kind of how you said, well, I know I should be eating this, so I should eat this instead of the cookies. That's where that restriction and the guilt and stuff, I think, for a lot of people comes in and, and why a lot of people struggle with their relationship with food, because they whenever they do eat the cookie, they don't just eat it and enjoy it like, oh, man, that was a delicious cookie. Man, I, I really enjoyed that and then move along their day. But they eat that cookie. And they're like, oh, I can't believe I went off my oh. diet. It wasn't my <laughs> cheat day. Um, and you're inside and they, my head yeah, right now. Just, yeah. yeah and, they, and they just feel bad. And they're like, OK, well, it's Friday. The weekend's coming up. I already blew my diet. I'm not screw it. I'm just going to, I'll get back on track Monday. And so then mm. what do you do over the weekend? You just you go, you eat binge, all the cookies. You're like burgers, pizza, every, like everything. Yeah. And, you, and then mm. Monday you're like, Ugh. and then you get on the scale, the scales up five, 10, whatever pounds. And you know that you didn't gain that much body fat, but you get on there and you see it. And then you're like, Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm eating super light today. I'm skipping lunch. I'm doing this, you know, whatever, and you do this all week, but then you find yourself super hungry at the end of the day, later in the week, because you haven't been eating enough, and then you have these cravings, and you're like, oh, <laughs> man, I shouldn't be eating this, and then you eat it, and then that guilt and shame, so it's just, it's like this binge restrict cycle, and some people, it's not really an official binge eating episode, which would be like massive food in a very short period mm -hmm. of time, but that overeating, and then that that feeling bad about it. And some people may just feel bad and frustrated. Some people literally beat themselves up over yeah. it and go into a full-on downward spiral. And that's not uncommon at all. And wow. so anyway, so intuitive eating is a framework that's actually designed specifically to address this particular kind of a, of a thing. And it's, it's made up of 10 different principles, actually. So, Wow. Thank you okay, for sharing wow. that. So when you, when you got started in all of this, what were some, what were some common things that you thought were smart things to do, but you found out they were actually incorrect? Cause there's so many different things out there. Like, you know, yes. fasting or not fasting, you know, don't eat eggs, eat eggs, you know, uh, the Mediterranean diet, no, all beef, or I've got friends that are carnivores and they swear by it. Chris, you got to do a carnivore diet. What was it for you that you thought, okay, I, I'm going to do this in order to, to win these competitions. But as you started getting into your research and trying things for yourself, what were some things you were like, Oh, that's actually not the case. Yeah. It's, it's really the one size fits all approach that a lot of these say. So carnivore proponents, hardcore ones will say carnivore is the way to go yeah. into er, intermittent fasting. They're like intermittent fasting is, is what you got to do. It's going to improve, increase your longevity. It's going to improve your blood glucose. It's going to do all these things. Every diet has these promises of what it can give you. And, but they're all very restrictive. And so when a person can't adhere to the diet, then they they're they're blamed for it so the person and what we see and, and you guys may have been experienced this yourself how many diets have you been on it over the course of your adult life you're on the diet hey it works 12 weeks later you lost weight great but then it comes right back on mm -hmm. uh, or over the course of the year it comes right back on and in most cases when people are doing that especially uh, the research shows especially when people don't have a, a huge amount of weight to lose but then they start dieting they actually end up gaining more and more each time. So they diet down and then they gain and go past where they were. And then the next diet, uh, is maybe a little harder to lose that weight. And, but then they, and then they end up gaining back and then some more. And that's what we tend to see. And that's actually one of the dirty little secrets of the fitness industry is fitness professionals know that most people do not maintain the lost weight, um, uh, more than just, it's not just a 50, 50 split. I mean, it's, it's well yeah. up above, half of, of all people regain that weight 
And depending on the approach, it's it's even up in you know in the 80, 90 percent range that yeah. they regain wow. it. So I've heard. So uh, so intuitive eating and well, like I mentioned, the weight neutral approach. So weight neutral approach, then instead of saying, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with these different health things, I'm struggling with my relationship with food, I feel like I'm my eating is chaotic and out of control. Instead of saying, well, go on a diet, restrict yourself, cut out sugar, cut out this and that instead of doing the things that tend to drive those disordered eating habits and patterns, what we say is, well, let's figure out what what is it that you're struggling with. And so we look at at all of the facets of their health, not just the physical. So it's the emotional and psychological and social, economic, even um, intellectual, all of these different facets, spiritual, uh, all these different facets of health that if you neglect any of them, you're going to suffer. And but we get focused on just the physical. And so that's where the what should I eat? What should I not eat? How how much should I eat? And that so it's more about how we eat rather than specifically what we eat. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So let me ask you this, Jeff, is this so it sounds like do these principles map to a the holistic areas that you just mentioned? Yeah. Um, yeah. To, um, in fact, I'll just kind of go through them real briefly yeah. here, what they are, because it's, it's pretty amazing because as you start to as you start to think about each one just a little bit, you start to see how they build on each other and how they work together. And because uh, some of the principles sound a little wild at first on its own, if you just implemented that one principle. But yeah. when you build on all 10, then it, it, it provides us really great framework for improving your relationship with food and, and eating in a way that's right for you as an, as an individual based on your economic status, your social status, what you have going on in your life. You know, if you're a 24 year old with no responsibilities mm -hmm. versus a mom of six kids who's also working and you know, that kind of thing, it's, yeah. we don't all have the same 24 hours. <laughs> uh, my 24 hours looks different than yours, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. So Anyway, the, the 10 principles, the first one's rejecting the diet mentality. And so essentially that's uh, when I'm working with a, a client with intuitive eating, we, we get them to put weight loss, intentional weight loss on the back burner. So we take the focus off that being the goal. So oftentimes they'll get rid of their scale or put it up in the attic or something and out of sight, out of mind, because what we find <laughs> is that when you are in that diet mindset, it interferes with trying to work through the, the process. Um, you know, if you were trying to deal with uh, what, you know, some mental health condition and you had this thing that kept interfering with all the work that you were trying to do, well, you know, you're not going to make any progress in that area. So that's kind of that first step. It's not really a step. This is more of a framework that you don't really go through in any particular order. But that's kind of where it starts is that rejecting the diet mentality, understanding that a lot of the failed attempts at dieting are due to the diets themselves, not your you know, not you being good enough, that kind of thing. Because I mean, I think we all know people who are incredibly self-disciplined, very strong, very strong willpower, you know, CEOs of companies, but they struggle with their weight. And yeah. often people give us the idea that, hey, if you're in a bigger body, it's because you lack self-discipline, you have no <laughs> willpower, you can't control your emotions. And it's like, well, they, they do that everywhere else. But so what's about food? And so we, we kind of reject that idea and that really frees up people then to move through the other principles. 
I love that, Jeff. I want to, I want to just stop you there before you go to the mm -hmm. next one. Oh yeah. And that's one of the questions that I had for you is based on my size, there's this, like this, this, this chart out there and I don't know who publishes it, but it's this chart that says, if you're six, one, you should weigh 185 pounds. That for yeah. me, that's a bunch of bull. I'm six, one. If I weighed 185 pounds, I would look anorexic. I mean, I, I got down to 193 last year when I was doing 75 hard and I looked sick in the mirror and I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. who made this stuff up? And to your point, like ditching the scale, one of the best things I've found from, I'm not a dietitian or a health coach, but I've just told people ditch looking at the friggin' number. You know, how do you feel? How do you feel? Yeah. Do you feel good? Do you feel confident? Are you happy with the clothes that you're wearing? If you, who fucking cares if you're pulling 160 and you're a woman and you're, and you have, and you're go for it. You don't need to be a buck 10. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous. So talk to us about that, that, that chart and talk to us about that mentality for us to, to let go of what we're supposed to weigh as opposed to feeling good. Cause I love that approach. Yeah, well, that's the BMI, the body mass index, and it's based. What, it, what's interesting is the BMI, which is what insurance companies use to determine whether they're going to give you the premium rate for life insurance. Yeah, you know, body fat or something like that. I, yeah, I mean, I'm like I'm muscle. Yeah, baby. I mean, you can have yeah, you can have shredded abs, and they'll say you're too big, and they'll give you the low, they'll give you a more expensive rate on your BMI. Um, other people, you know, who are in bigger bodies are often full on denied life insurance, even though all of their health markers are perfectly fine. There's wow. a lot of people who literally cannot get life insurance. There's also people wow. who can't get adequate health insurance because of their, their BMI. Um, and so, and, and that's one of the problems with BMI. And part of the rejecting the, the diet mentality part is that we often in our society look at weight in and of itself as being an indicator of health. So it's yeah. not one factor. I mean, we're not saying that it has no impact, but at the same time, so often um, people who are in bigger bodies and they will go into a doctor and they'll be told one thing. They'll, you know, they go in for allergies and the doctor starts talking to them about losing weight. And they're like, did I mm. tell you that I want to lose weight? I just came in <laughs> here for allergies. Um, an example, my late wife, in fact, she had, she had breast cancer and then she got through that. And then she went through about an 18 month period where she lost a bunch of weight. She started working out and eat, changing her eating habits and all kinds of things like that. But she's still very much in a bigger body. And um, she went to the doctor because she'd been throwing up after her workouts and ha and kind of feeling some anxiety and, and um, pain in her chest and stuff. But then it would clear up and she'd be fine. And so she went into the doctor and told him, you know, I've been doing this and going to the gym and stuff. He's all, well, I'll keep that up. It sounds like anxiety. So he gave her Xanax and about a week. <laughs> of course, you know, uh, fucking script. Yeah, you know oh, well, she's, yeah. you know, fat lady comes in. She's been working out, getting sick. Okay, it makes sense. You know, she was you know, just that mentality. And it's so mm -hmm. prevalent in, in the research on this is actually pretty staggering. The bias that's in the medical field toward people in. Mm -hmm. uh, bigger bodies, but you know, she goes in there and, and gets Xanax. And then two weeks later drops dead. She actually had a fifth size tumor in her chest. Oh my God. And so, you know, these are the kinds of things. And you hear stories like this all the time from people who they can't get a hip replacement because their BMI is too high. They're told they have to lose weight to get to a certain BMI before they will get the surgery and those kinds of things. So that, that whole BMI thing, what's interesting is the BMI thing was, was a mathematician who created it. Oh, and Jesus it was, Christ. it was based on white European male <laughs> body types. That's specifically yeah. what it's from. He was basically, and it wasn't designed to be used for individual health purposes. It was to see what's the average European white male. What's how's, what's the average size based on height. Can we and update so that's, that thing? 
And so now we apply that yeah. to women. We apply it to non-white men. We apply, you know, all over. And then we say, oh, well, you're, oh you're too big. And it's like, they're not even, they're not even the same uh, ethnicity. And there's so many differences between black people and native Americans and, and white, yeah. you know, European bodies and, and mm -hmm. South Pacific and all mm -hmm. of those things. So wow. anyway, that's Easy. my rant on, on BMI. <laughs> so I have another one you just spurred in my brain. Sorry, Mary Kay. So in that, it's so you just spawned something when you said bigger body. And I love the way that you accentuate that, you know, there's different types of body. There's three different body types. There's ectomorph, mesomorph. There's, I can't remember what the, is there something to that when somebody says I'm big boned? I mean, like people, I'm like, I'm a bigger dude, you know, but I can get down to 193. I can, there's not a reason why I can. My bones don't really have any role in that necessarily. But talk to us about those three different body types. And that, is that something you subscribe to as far as somebody being able to say, okay, listen, I'm an ectomorph or I'm a mesomorph or something like that mm -hmm. to be able to understand and not be so down on themselves if they're not, you know, a size two. Yeah, I don't like those three body types in particular, but I think it does illustrate a little bit of, of what, you know, we do have differences. And so, you know, if you, the endomorph, ectomorph, mesomorph, you know, the, and the mesomorph is kind of what we picture the superhero as. That's what a lot of guys aspire to be. That's a kind of muscular V shape, not too big, not too skinny, you know, just right in the middle. And so many guys, they, there's, you know, there's, uh, what they call it mesomorphic uh I, something i can't i i lost the term now but but there's actually research using that and um and it's it's really fascinating on the body and hey i was hey, like we have, we, have, we have my associate producer just got home from school beautiful eat, cool you know, the boss. here on the show my son jackson i'm actually doing a show yeah. right now buddy you say well, hi i'm in i'm in a different hi. room than i normally am in hello i am in a, a different room i had to move stuff mm. because my 25 year old daughter is in her room which is next to my office and she's a big D, &D player and oh, she geez. plays on friday nights at the same time and they were all former theater kids and they like act <laughs> oh, out what? in person and it's loud and screaming and yeah it's pretty oh, funny nice this is all virtual hmm. and they're still like hooping and hollering i love anyway. it i love it <laughs> All right, buddy. I'm gonna <laughs> go downstairs, and I'll be down there in a little bit. I love you, Aww. my bubba. My bubba. Yep. I don't even worry about it. Say goodbye. Have a great show. Bye, bye, Jackson. Bye. bye. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you buddy. I love you. I'll see you downstairs. Oh, what a cutie! He my is husband. amazing. He's 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 my why. He is my yeah. why. That making yeah. this world a better place for who I am and what I do. Thank you, buddy. I love you. Sorry about that. Very Jeff. cool. No, I I, I love those. Do it. I, I don't tell him not to do it because I'm like, I don't care if it's live. It's, <laughs> no. you know, it's what's supposed to happen. That's more important. So, yeah. So the, the body types, I mean, there's something to that because there are people who have bigger bones, shorter torsos, longer legs, denser bones, uh, a propensity for higher muscle mass distribution, higher uh, propensity for fat. You know, some, uh, you know, you see it with women a lot. Some just gain the, the, the fat in their hips and their thighs. Others gain it up top. You know, you hear women in fitness groups all the time talking about how, hey, I lost 20 pounds, but it all came from my breasts. And they're mad because, <laughs> you know, that's the <laughs> only place that they left. So, you know, you have all these differences. I mean, I, I always use, since I work mainly with men, um, I, I always use the illustration of NFL players. I mean, just look at the, the makeup of that and try oh, and yeah. tell me that that we can all get the same body type. I mean, you, yeah, you look at those linemen and wide receivers, you Zach Martin and CD lamb. I'm a cowboy fan. Um, the two of them they're they could not switch places. There's just no way they're, right. they're just, their body is different. And, um, 
And so, yeah, we see that, but we see it with just the average people. So it's it, part of that rejecting the diet mentality is, is, is accepting the fact that we all have this genetic blueprint that does drive and dictate so much about uh, our body size and shape. And it does actually, uh, you know, the, the research in the area of obesity, we're finding more and more that, that it is driven uh, much more by genetics than people realize. Ooh. And so... Um, it's, it's really fascinating how that works. Of course, it's within the context of all those other areas of health that I talked about. So in the context of our food environment, your socioeconomic status, all of those things factor in, in, a, in conjunction with your genetics to kind of drive you toward these, these different body sizes. But again, it comes, comes back to, that's why we shouldn't be stigmatizing or shaming people yeah. when they're in these these body sizes. I mean, we shouldn't do that anyway, but um, yes, but yeah. Love it. So tip number two, or yeah. I think we are on principle, principle number, number one. Two. <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was the one, that was the rejected diet mentality one. Talk but, about it. Yeah. So the Nick, the next one is honoring your hunger. This one I like a lot because it just makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the focuses with intuitive eating is eating enough. So dieting is don't eat too much. And often, and a lot of these diets, and they'll straight up tell you, I mean, a lot of coaches, they're like, eat as, eat as little as you can tolerate and, and muscle through. And that's where you should be eating. Wow. When intuitive eating is rather focusing on prioritizing, uh, nourishing your body, feeding yourself, eating enough. And mm -hmm. we do that because we have these hunger signals. I mean, they're biological drives that are built into our body by design to keep us alive. And so when we get a hunger signal, it's not a bad thing. Like dieting would often try and convince us to ignore, suppress little tricks to get around it, you know, that kind of thing, but we honor it. So, Hey, I'm hungry. I'm going to feed myself. That doesn't just mean that, Hey, I'm a little hungry right now. So I'm going to go grab something to eat. It just means in general, we're honoring our hunger. So often you know, I'll have people set up kind of a, a, a structure to their day that helps them to, to, um, feed themselves well and you know they'll eat breakfast and they'll eat when they're hungry then at breakfast until they are one of the other principles is feel your fullness so it's not just honor your hunger you got the other end of the spectrum which is feel your fullness so you you learn to reconnect with your hunger and and fullness cues and that's a big part of intuitive eating is learning to recognize those things so that when you do sit down to eat you go, you arrive at a meal with a moderate level of hunger so that you're not starving, but so you're hungry enough that you can enjoy it. You're ready to eat. Right. And then you connect with your body and, and sense when, hey, I've had enough to eat. I don't need to eat anymore. I know that I get to eat till fullness at my next meal or snack. So I don't need to stress about it. I can stop comfortably and move on. And so that's, that's one of the other principles. So honoring your hunger and feeling your fullness. Uh, I love that. So when you, when you think about honoring your hunger and feeling your fullness, I know one thing for me that really helped out is you go, you get hungry and you're like, rah, 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 and you eat and you're like, Oh my God, I ate too much. So yeah. one thing I started to do years and years ago is I take a bite of food. I put it, I put my fork down and I take a drink of water, whatever I'm drinking. And I kind of give myself time to process that because they say the, mm -hmm. the thing is like your, your stuff, your brain, your stomach doesn't tell your brain until 30 minutes after you're full or something that takes 30 minutes yeah. to kind of have that conversation. Is there something to that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, your, your body, when you take the food in, it has to digest in your, well, I mean that your, your stomach starts to break it down, starts that digestive process. Then it, uh, gastric emptying occurs where it empties it into your small intestine where the, the nutrients are absorbed. And so in that process, uh, that process has to occur 
for what we call satiety cues to kick in. And so, so fullness is that feeling, that physical feeling that you're, you know, you're full, you've got your stomach is stretching. And interestingly enough, there's hunger hormones. There's one called ghrelin that is released from the stomach and hormones are basically just chemical messengers. So when you eat, your stomach stretches and expands because your stomach's real small when it's empty. So it expands and that shuts off ghrelin. It's like a, a valve, so, so to speak. So hmm. when it's empty and when you're, ne you're needing food, this ghrelin hormone is released in your body to tell you, go get food. I'm, I, need, I need energy soon. When you eat, it stretches, it shuts that off. So that shuts off the hunger drive. But satiety is another signal in the body that is that you're satisfied, that you, you're, you're good with the, the food that you've had. And that's, those are also driven by other hormones like uh, leptin and um, insulin, interestingly enough, is a satiety hormone too. Uh, when insulin rises, that uh, triggers satiety in your body. And so uh, anyway, that process where you're, you're digesting the food, those hormones don't immediately shoot out as soon as the food hits your stomach. It has to digest before these hormones start doing their job. And so exactly what you said there, slowing down, that's often one thing that we help people do is slow down their eating, uh, whether that's to take a bite, put your fork down, you know, take a drink, have conversation. Uh, yeah, often we recommend people uh, go to a place to eat, like at the table with their family. And this works great for kids too, the same thing. You have the family around and you can have conversation that slows down the eating process. Everybody can enjoy that. And, and, um, and often at first, you know, we'll have people use something called a hunger and fullness scale to check in with their hunger at the beginning, sort of an exercise to start to reconnect with it. A lot of people literally have, they know when they're absolutely starving and they know when they're painfully full, but they don't know anything else in between. Yeah. Like me. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> You can, uh, yeah, the hunger and fullness scale can be really, really helpful for that. In fact, I just did an episode of my podcast on that exact thing. Uh, so you might want to check that out if somebody's listening and has heard that the men's intuition mm -hmm. podcast, I have an episode where I talk about the hunger, hunger and fullness and using that hunger scale. But, um, but yeah, you know, when you connect then you can check in with yourself in the middle of the meal, you stop, you mindfully say, okay, where am I at now? How full am I? You're like, you know what? I'm, I think I can eat another plate of food and that's honoring your hunger. You know, you're not cutting yourself short. You're not saying I'm going to only eat on small little plates. I'm only going to eat one spoonful. It's saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to honor my hunger, but at the same time, stop when I'm full. So, um, and, and then that takes us to another principle. This one, uh, this, this is one of the scary ones. This one's called <laughs> make peace with food. That's not the scary part. The scary part is <laughs> unconditional permission to eat. Ooh, and that's like exactly that. what that's Twinkies and Jack Daniels for breakfast. <laughs> Anything, any uh, food, any amount, uh, at, at any time. And so that means, and so, but that doesn't mean that you're going to just eat cookies and donuts and pizza oh. and drink beer <laughs> because, you know, you're still, it's still within the context of honoring your hunger, feeling your fullness. Um, that kind of thing and some of the other principles later. So that unconditional permission to eat is actually a, a key factor in it because it goes back to what you were talking about earlier with the the cookie. You know, I know I should be eating celery and kale, but <laughs> I really want the cookie, but I can't eat the cookie right now. I'll go ahead and eat this. And then you eat that and then you eat the cookie and you feel bad about it because you weren't supposed to do that. But if you had unconditional permission to eat the cookie, you'll eat the cookie and then just move on. And oh, often what people do too, and this is 
Um, either of you guys ever had Halo Top ice cream or anything like that? Doesn't sound it's, familiar. No. Okay, it's like a it's like a super low calorie. Yeah, yeah, it's a super low calorie sort of fake ice cream thing that costs three times as much as real ice Yuck. cream, but it's only like 150 <laughs> calories for a pint or something, you know, something like that. But a lot right. of people use it for dieting. And but what happens is when you start trying to eat these diety foods or super low, like if you try and do spaghetti squash instead of real pasta, if you don't, unless you like spaghetti squash. I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. And if you like it, cool. But if you're wanting pasta and you try and say, oh, well, this will work. It's like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't work. So what you find is that you tend to gravitate toward that other thing anyway, but then you feel bad for eating the thing you really wanted. So that's where that unconditional yeah. permission to, to eat comes in. It's that you're free to do it. Doesn't just because you're free to do it doesn't mean you're going to do it. Well, one of my problems is the fact that my, I'm not, I'm eating really good. Now I go through phases where I'm like really good summertime. I'm a little bit bad and I allow myself that it's worked for me all my life. But my wife just recently got me a bunch of healthy, um, sweets like, uh, Atkins bars and stuff like that. She goes, there's no sugar in it. Cause I told myself no sugar, no white sugar. I can have fruit and stuff like that. Not in overabundance. But what I find myself doing is like, my brain will say, Oh, these are healthy. Yeah. And instead of having one, I'll have three. And then I'll start, right. really breaking, down, I'll start breaking down the, the ingredients on there. I'm like, Oh fuck. Really? I thought these were healthy. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then you're like, you know, I could have just had the Snickers that I wanted and it was probably, mm. and it probably would have been two thirds the calories of these four bars that I ate. If you're, mm. you know, if you're still caught up and if you're still thinking uh, in terms of calorie content and so right. uh, with intuitive eating, we don't, but you know, if you're thinking that it's, it's interesting how these little tricks often backfire because oh. it, it just eat the candy bar and then you'll be satisfied <laughs> with it and you yeah. move on instead of, uh, eating 400 calorie snack packs that all taste eh, sort of mediocre. And yeah, so that's, yeah, that's part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's really what drives, drives a lot of the issues that people have is this deprivation uh, when we're depriving ourselves, And, and it's, it's backed up by tons of research. I mean, even in the intuitive eating framework itself is, has, uh, is supported by over 200 different studies that have looked at different aspects wow. of it. Um, whether it be for your relationship with food, psychological correlates of health, um, uh, mood. And, and what's interesting is that, and we haven't even gone through all the principles yet, but this unconditional permission to eat is actually something that drives a lot of beneficial effects psychologically for a lot of people. Um, and also when you're uh, people who score high on these intuitive eating assessment scales that kind of that they use in research to look at how much of a you know intuitive eater are you, they actually tend to have a much more nutritionally adequate diet overall anyway. So instead of forcing yourself, like you have to eat this way, you can't eat that, you can't eat that, but we get the freedom to eat in a way that feels right for us. It fits within our culture, our preferences, listening to our body. We end up eating a very nutritionally dense diet anyway. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's really fascinating how that works. I love that. I'll, I want to grab uh, Joe's uh, a couple of questions for you, just be yeah. in between the principles. So Joe says here, I work, uh, I work, a sh I work shift work and I try to eat healthy, but I find myself uh, with fatigue. Can you please provide, can you provide some recommendations on foods that can help with energy? Great question, Joe. Thank you for being here. Buddy. Great question. Yeah, definitely. That That's a really great question. I actually have a good friend who's located in Australia who has a wonderful podcast called The Habits. Uh, sorry, <laughs> not The Habits. The, Habits? Um, <laughs> the what, oh my gosh, what? Um, healthy. Wife. Okay. A Healthy Shift. Okay. So look up that podcast, A Healthy Shift. His name's Roger Sutherland. He is a 
uh, he's been doing 24 seven shift work for 35 years. And he's also a nutritionist as well. We went through the same program, different times, but same program. He's amazing with this stuff. He just, he loves the topic of shift work and chrono nutrition, like nutrition timing of things. Uh, look him up. You'll get all the info you need. But the gist of it is, is I would, if somebody came to me asking about that, we'd look at a number of different things. One would be, are you eating carbs? A lot of people are trying to go low carb because, you know, well, that's quote healthy. That's what all the gurus are saying. The problem is, is carbs yeah. are your body's preferred fuel source. And so yeah. if you're cutting back on those too much, then you're going to feel that. Um, also eating enough is another one. Uh, one of the other common things with shift workers is that they tend to skip meals or go extremely long periods of time without eating. And so when you do that, you're going to run out of energy. And so prioritizing. So rather than focusing so much on what to eat, I would focus first on how you're eating. So try and fit in a schedule and the snack. That means that if all you can eat is a candy bar and you're thinking, well, I shouldn't eat a candy bar because that's not healthy, but it's food, it's energy for you. Yeah. A candy bar is better than not eating anything. So while mm -hmm. maybe a banana and a chicken grilled chicken salad might be quote ideal, um, a candy bar and a Coke is at least something for you. And in fact, I can I like you know, share guy. a little story from yeah. my, my <laughs> wife. You know, she went for months where she could hardly keep anything down because um, she was having some major GI issues. And I said, eat some candy. You're keeping that down. And she's like, well, wow, that's so much candy and sugar. And, and I said, but it's something. It's mm -hmm. energy. You're not keeping any, You're going to starve if you don't at least eat something. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, um, obviously you don't if you can get some things like your protein and fat and carbs and fiber in there, then you want to find ways to do that. But yeah, I often recommend people just have some of those quick snacks handy so they can, they can do that. But then also sleep. I mean, sleep deprivation is such a big thing. Some people think it's all about yeah. the food and really there's things like sleep, stress reduction. Yeah. Um, I remember my, one of my instructors, said if you're a shift worker find another job that's the best advice <laughs> I can give you. obviously that's you go, joe you don't want our yep uh we don't want our shift workers quitting you know our, our first responders but but i mean it really is it's a it's a serious thing but if you can prioritize check out roger's stuff man he is he is amazing and actually if you need a one-on-one -on -one work with somebody he he will do a fantastic job with you awesome what was the name of his podcast again um a healthy shift. A healthy shift. Awesome. There yeah, you go, Joe. It's all about shift to work. Joe. Yep. Appreciate that. Actually, we've got another question before we go on, just to make sure we get these in case people have to bail off. Anya says, what do you think about the Ozempic? Uh, I think it's the Ozempic injection. A lot of famous people are using it, sending the wrong message to the youngest to be skinny. Um, I know for a fact, actually, I'll, I'll share this. My wife started on that and I think she went to Wagovi and she's on something else. She was uh, a big body person, if you will. And uh, it's it, she's lost like 70 pounds, which has been pretty incredible because she's one of those people that would bust her ass. She's got Hashimoto's and thyroid issues. I would watch her literally bust her ass and like the less calories, more calories burned, less calories in. That did not work for her. This is the one thing that has wow. worked for her. So um, yeah. with, to Anya's question, what do you think about that? Yeah, um, it's it's a difficult one. I'll, I'll tell you, most of the people in the intuitive eating space um, are very, very opposed to it because a lot of a lot of the work that we do in this is is equal treatment and and destigmatization of larger bodies, and so often people, you know, the the idea that oh well, there's a drug to make me skinny that that can really 
be stigmatizing toward a lot of people in larger bodies. It's like, hey, our goal is to eradicate fat people. And so, and I, I use the yeah. term fat. That's how they, uh, a lot of people are, are using that. They're sort of reclaiming that, that, um, that word now to describe as a descriptor. Mm. But in any case, um, my, my take on it is, you know, again, one of the things, it, it certainly does impact your appetite and that's how it works. Basically the appetite, your appetite regulation. So you take this medication and, but you still have to honor your hunger and feel your fullness and, and that kind of thing. So if somebody, and, you know, I was working with somebody that was on it before and, and that was, we still focused on the same things. And that's, sure. to me, it's a personal decision. If you feel like you need that. And, and especially if you have diabetes, cause it, it works really well with that. Um, the problem though with it is, is that, um, long-term effects. I mean, it's been around for a while. We're not hundred percent sure what it is, but a lot of people yeah. are experiencing really negative uh, side effects from it. And, and it can lead to nutrient deficiencies if you're not eating well enough, if it's impacting your appetite too much. So you have to be careful with that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, and it's something you have to take forever. That's what a lot of people don't realize too, is that you can't get to your target weight and stop because yeah. your body your, your body has this set point where it likes to be, um, settling point. There's different theories on the exact nature of how that works. But, uh, but that's a big part of intuitive eating is this understanding the set point. And so this, this drug, when you stop taking it, your body may push you back up to that higher weight. And again, right now, I mean, for people taking the legit stuff, if they're not buying it from compounding pharmacies, which are just a little sketchy, yeah. I mean, it can cost you a thousand dollars a month. And wow. you might take, you might think, okay, I can commit to six months of this, but then what happens after that? You go right back up and, and the, the guilt, the shame, the negative body image that happens when you see yourself smaller and then now you're bigger again and you look back and you're like, wow, I was there and look where I let myself get all this stuff. And it just perpetuates the issues that people struggle with, with it. So mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of it, but I, again, I'm not totally opposed to, it and I'm not a doctor, so mm -hmm. I don't. I definitely don't advise people not to take it, but um, at the same time, I think We're I cautious. think it's yeah. do your research. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. my take on, oh, thank you. on it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I have a question, Jeff, <laughs> because you brought up you brought up emotions. How how does that play a part in this in your holistic approach or or within your framework? Is there a slot for emotions? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the principles is uh, coping with your emotions with kindness. And so that is where you are. The, essentially, what you're doing is you're saying, you know, with the unconditional permission to eat part. Uh, well, one of the other principles is eating for satisfaction, making that a priority. Mm -hmm. So making sure that satisfaction is is a part of your eating and, and that when That's you're huge. choosing food to eat, because that helps you then to better regulate your intake you know when you're satisfied like i was saying with the candy bar and the the 500 calorie snack packs you know it, it it helps you to eat in a way that's really more satisfying and enjoyable but but coping with your emotions with kindness is is recognizing that food restriction um physically and mentally can can really trigger that loss of control and often people use the the emotion well, they, they use food as a way of coping with emotions. And then they yes. also feel bad about that. And so much of yeah. dieting too, diet culture and diet mentality is that you shouldn't eat 
emotionally. So you need to stop emotionally eating. You shouldn't eat for emotional reasons. Eat only if you're hungry. Stop when you're 80% full. You know, all these kinds of little tricks <laughs> rather than saying, you know what? It's perfectly fine to eat for emotional reasons. We we all do. It's part of every culture. It's part of our social gatherings. It's part mm -hmm. of it's part of what makes life enjoyable is mm -hmm. to eat. Uh, it's perfectly fine to sit down at the end of a stressful day with a bowl of ice cream. Yeah. But if that's your only coping mechanism, <laughs> yeah, and not not Halo Top, but the actual yeah, Ben yeah. and Jerry's, Hagen Dazs, you know, the good stuff. Yeah, full um, cream. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's so what we what we help people focus on is that you know what it's okay if if you're using this as a coping mechanism. But what we want to do is through this process of reconnecting with your body and what your body truly needs is what are some other ways that we can better cope with a particular situation? So yeah. at the end of the day, a stressful day, was a bowl of ice cream a great way to cope with it that day? Sure, that might be. Okay, what if it's every day or yeah. every time that you're stressed or every time you're upset? It's probably not a good idea. Just like sitting down and having a beer at the end of the day is perfectly fine. But if you're sitting down and drinking a, a dozen every night just to, to de-stress, then that's probably a problem. And you really need to look at what it is that you could be doing that would better meet those emotional needs. And so mm -hmm. instead of beating yourself up over using food, you say, well, what can I do? What can I add in? And that's a big part of intuitive eating is this mindset of instead of taking things away, which is what dieting does, we say, mm -hmm. well, what can I add in? So instead of saying, oh, I'm eating too much fast food. Well, what can I add in my diet or I'm eating too much sugar? Well, what can I add in? Yeah. Um, and instead of saying, what can I take out? And often then what happens is we replace those things with it. And that that's kind of what happens with the emotional stuff is that you start to say, well, why are you so stressed that you feel like you need to bury yourself in a bowl of ice cream every night? Well, it's this and this. Well, what can we do to deal with that so that you're not right. doing something that's not even effective anyway? And that's the problem is when we use food as a coping mechanism, as our primary coping mechanism, when we... And, and we're not actually dealing with the issue, then we never resolve it. Mm. Yeah. That's so true. I, I love what you're saying, Jeff. Yeah, what you're saying is something I started doing myself last year um, was like I would go to the refrigerator, it'd be like nine o'clock at night. I'm like, oh, I want some ice cream or mm -hmm. I, want, I want a donut or something like that. And I'll be like, I'll tell myself, okay, have a piece of fruit. And if after the piece of fruit, after 15 minutes of eating the piece of fruit, if you still want that, then get that. Usually the piece of fruit satisfies me. And so, I mean, 99% of the time I'm like, God, I'm glad I did that because I would have went for the bad thing, but I just had a simple piece of fruit and it satiated me. And, you know, I got, I got a little sweetness out of it, you know? Um, so that definitely helped with me. The other thing I have a question for you for, and I found this, I think when you were talking about intuitive eating, I was kind of like putting it all together. Tell me if this sounds like intuitive for me personally, just me. Um, when I read, um, God, I've been doing a shitty job with people's memories today. The four hour body, um, okay. what's the podcaster dude, four hour um, body. yeah, he did the four hour work week, uh, Tim, Timothy, Tim, Tim Ferris, Tim Ferris, Tim Ferris. Tim Ferris. Yeah. yeah, Tim Ferris. So he did the four hour work week and then he did the four hour body. And essentially out of that, what I got for me personally was when I'm on five days, like I'm doing really, really good fruits, vegetables, you know, uh, protein, and I'm doing, I'm not having any cheat. If I get to Sunday and I eat whatever I want, like a breakfast burrito, and I literally like have, have all the things that I want, I never gained any weight, but I always had, you know, I always knew that going through the structure part, which I started to enjoy was I always had in the back of my mind is like, okay, I'm doing this, but I get to celebrate and I get to have this one day where I don't have to think about these things. 
and it, it worked for me. I, I, I gained muscle. I was totally fine. I never gained weight. I was happy. Is that like intuitive eating as well? Uh, no, that would be, that would really be a restriction because if you think about your, you've already labeled that day as a cheat day. So you've attached moral value to certain foods. Gotcha. So you basically said these foods are bad and I can only have them if I'm cheating on my diet. Um, I can't. Uh, and so no, I'm not saying it doesn't work for some people cause it certainly does. I mean, there's, there are people who do that and they're, you know, who, who am I to say that that's disordered or something. I mean, mm -hmm. but the problem is, is that most of us do find that that's actually problematic. And when somebody tells me that I kind of ask them things like what happens if you have a pack, a, uh, a package of Oreo cookies in your pantry, uh, during the week, uh, and, or a candy dish on the, on the counter during the week, can you just casually go by and grab two or three jelly beans and then go about your day? Or do you find yourself eating the entire bowl, eating the entire package of cookies, eat, you know, that kind of thing. Most people. Yeah. And so they say, so what's the trick you use? One, you say, I'm a big boy. Yeah. So what you do is you say, Oh, I just don't keep that stuff in the house until cheat day. And then I know I can eat the whole thing if I want, cause it's cheat day, but you don't, you, you don't have that control around it. And so that is a good indicator that there is a little, that there is actually something amiss a, a there with your relationship mm. with food. Cause it has that control over you if you don't don't keep it in the house and that that making peace with food is a really cool thing because once you do that it's really interesting because i used to be exactly that way i would just i couldn't keep that stuff in the house because i'd eat it all in one sitting and um but now i i have candy i have chips i have whatever in the pantry and i might eat some i might not um i might eat part of part of something not necessarily the whole thing, um, you know, that kind of thing. I eat something usually sweet every day, but not a huge amount. Just I eat an amount that's satisfying mm -hmm. and I go about my day and um, nice. I haven't, you know, I haven't gained weight in, I don't know, four years, five years. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really weigh myself, but yeah. So it's, you know, you, you get to this place where you just naturally kind of navigate um, the, those eating experiences. Love it. Thank you. Uh, give us another tip and then we're going to, well, I mean, we've already yeah. been talking for an hour. Give us another <gasps> yeah. tip. Wow. We'll kind of, yeah, well, I'll, I'll just wrap up with the last couple of principles here. There's, sure. you know, one of the other ones is we kind of talked, uh, talked about the main ones there, but, um, respecting your body. I mean, that's really what it's all about. That's one of the other principles that we're doing all of this out of respect for our body. And then one of the other principles too, is on your health with the gentle nutrition. So we don't toss out the nutrition science. We don't toss out our, understanding of the importance of fiber and vitamin C and all of that. But that comes, that's actually the last principle for a reason, because we work on these other things and set up this framework. And then we start to incorporate the nutrition part based on our unique needs. So some people who may have a history of eating disorders may have to be super gentle with that, the nutrition part. Uh, myself, I don't have that history. I had a really good relationship with food growing up. And so I incorporate a lot of performance nutrition things into mine. You know, I do ninja training. And so I eat, drink a protein shake at a certain time and I try and eat my, you know, I work in those, those different performance nutrition kinds of things, supplementing with creatine monohydrate and, you know, things like that, that for me, uh, I understand how that works for me. That's gentle nutrition uh, for another yeah. person that might be excessive. And so they may not do that. Um, 
And so it's important that that we understand that intuitive eating is not just all about the feels and stuff, but it's it is bringing in that that nutrition. But we don't start there. Like dieting tends to start there. Here we bring it in after we've established this framework. And then one of the other cool ones that I really like is um, it's reframing physical activity and exercise as movement. Mm. So a lot of people have this this distaste for exercise it, it was all about burning calories when they're dieting it was like yeah. they go to the gym to burn off calories they go to the gym to burn off the muffin that they're going to have afterward or to burn <laughs> off so everything is all about burning off what you're eating what you, you know all the bad food um and you you see the discussions in the fitness groups what's the what exercise is going to burn the most calories? Is it hit? Is it lists? Is it weight training? And then they argue about it back and forth. And when in reality, if we just find some kind of physical activity that we enjoy and focus on that, then that is really what's oh, going to be best for us. And the research actually supports, supports that very strongly that it's just moving your body physically will give you a lot of those, that low hanging fruit benefits there with your, with your health and that kind of thing. Dude, what a powerful hour. Like, I mean, I can't even believe we've already been going 56 minutes. I have so many other different questions in my head. I'd love to have you come back on the show so Anytime. we can continue this conversation uh, and, and expand this because I think it's been very fruitful uh -huh, um, for us, for myself, definitely uh, to be able to have this. Uh, Mary Kay, any final questions for Mr. Jeff? That were, yeah, like, I think your brain? a little more, a little more about, about movement. So mm -hmm. like walking, is walking an okay yeah. thing to do if it feels right for okay absolutely yeah it's in Dog fact it's probably <laughs> yeah and the the main benefits that you get from physical activity are going to come from just doing that small amount you know all the other right. stuff yes are there specific benefits like bone health and some other things of doing strength training having a higher mm -hmm. level of muscle mass as you start getting older and it starts decreasing well yeah you know or if you get sick and and you have a higher level of muscle mass, you're probably going to fare better because you're going to lose some of it, all those kinds of things. But, but the, the main stuff that most people can focus on is if you just get moving more, again, it depends on the person where they're at, but if you're completely sedentary, just getting in, up and moving more is going to give you a host of benefits. You don't have to go big at the gym. You don't have to start trying to go yeah. six days a week and doing these crazy sweaty workouts and all of that stuff. And um, something really interesting, there was a paper, a research paper that came out just this last year, I think, or maybe the year before. But anyway, they found that physical activity can help people with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, re reducing the liver fat apart from changes in their body weight. So just moving, just doing the physical activity, not losing any weight, and you can reduce your liver fat by wow. doing that. And it's not excessive, like crazy workouts. It's just being more physically active. And so there's so many things that you can do from this, again, this weight neutral approach where we're not focusing on trying to get smaller, but we're focusing on all these health promoting behaviors. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Jeff, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. And to that point, um, I love my Apple watch. I mean, I'm not endorsing Apple watches, but I love the fact that it gives me my stand goal, my <laughs> movement goal, my exercise. So I get little rings that pop up and it's, oh, you've created yeah. all your rings. So I've known I've stayed active. I've done my standing goal. 
So for me, that's kind of like, I love that at the end of the day, seeing all my little rings blow up. Well, whoever I'm with, I'm like, look, I got all my rings that are blow up. <laughs> um, so I love that little reminder. But Jeff, where can people get a hold of you to continue this fascinating and informative and educational conversation? Yeah, um, well, I'm most active on Instagram at intuitive.eating.men. And then you can find my website at hopedrivesme.com. And I actually do free initial consultations if anybody is interested. And it's not just a 15-minute call. It's an hour-long wow. free call. Most people sign up. So, hey, it works. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so th those are the places that you can find me. And then um, my podcast, Men's Intuition Podcast. And I have episodes there where I go through these different principles in much more detail. I'm, I'm just wrapping up actually production of a 13 lesson course on, int on intuitive eating. It's a video based course that can walk you through this, uh, this whole process with supporting activities to really help you to develop those skills and, and that framework too. So yeah, you know, we, we covered it in an hour and uh, yeah, there's a lot more to it, but um. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I encourage everyone listening to this or watching it on the replay, whatever connect with Jeff. I mean, this is the, this is the important stuff about life. I mean, we take it for granted. Um, it's pretty incredible what situations we can find ourselves in. I know a lot of people uh, my age who once upon a time were all healthy and in great shape. And then unfortunately they made some different decisions and now they're in a spot where they're pre-diabetic, they're diabetic and they're on 17 different medications. It's, it's scary. So we got to definitely take care of our health. Jeff, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to put you backstage here for a second. Um, Sounds we're great. Thank you. With you. And, uh, thank you. And we're going to close out the show. So thank you again, brother, for being here. Boom. There we have it, Mary Kay. I just want to reiterate this for the people on the podcast. So hopedrivesme.com, H-O-P-E-D-R-I-V-E-S-M-E.com. And then you can find them on Instagram at intuitive.eating.man, men, M-E-N. And then, of course, his uh, podcast is hopedrivesme.com forward slash podcast. Just type in Jeff Ash and you would find it as well. So, Mary Kay, what are some thoughts for you from this discussion? What kind of things and bells and whistles went off in your head when you're thinking about your own health and welfare? I think bells and whistles for me, you know, having lived five decades, right? Mid 50s, like as you are. Um, diet, 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 this diet and that diet and that diet. Jeff's approach seems to be very uh, lifestyle. It's more of a lifestyle. The rules are not this rigid thing that you're going to have to kick yourself if you don't quite stick to it. Right. It's, um, yeah, a lifestyle. And it sounds like it's agile and fluid. So it could change depending on all those areas of your life as you keep assessing them down the road. So that's what I got out of it. And I'm, I'm actually pretty excited to, to look into his his website and his podcast awesome thank you thank you and thank you for being a wonderful awesome co-host i enjoyed <laughs> having you. you in the frame versus scott no no offense scott but you're way more beautiful <laughs> than scott so thank you thank you for partnering with me on this particular episode uh, and again your 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 podcast with scott jones what's the name of it again the life between all or nothing it's thursdays at 7 p.m est Eastern Standard Time. And what is, what, give, give everybody a brief glimpse of what it's about. So what it's about is people being stuck in their lives. A lot of people are stuck and they're not quite sure how to make changes. And a lot of people think that making changes in your life is a big step, right? The all, all big kapow thing. But it's not. Even if you do want to make a gigantic change, it's going to take a bunch of small steps in between. And that's what we talk about. The life between all or nothing. Mm, I love it. I love it. Thursday nights at what time? 
Oh, you froze for a second. Thursday nights at what time? Oh, Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Go check it out. Ladies and gentlemen, Mary Kay is an awesome soul. She's Thank a dear you. friend of mine, a sister of mine. And uh, we got Joe in the house. He says, uh, LOL, I'm, uh, I'm working as you talk. He also says here, Th that's great. Thank you. And then uh, Jeff or Joe also says here, great segment, folks need to run issues with the line. So he's working. So he had to go take care of the line. Mr. Ron says, thank you for an amazing hour, Jeff, Chris and Mary. Anya says, amazing episode. Thank you, beautiful people, whether you're watching live or on the replay. Thank you. Thank you so much. As always, for us, we would ask you to go to www.theunfilteredexperience.com, theunfilteredexperience.com. Go there and please join our Facebook community. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe on Apple iTunes. You can find it on uh, Spotify, anywhere you get a podcast, but most predominantly it's iTunes. So we have the link there on the unfilteredexperience.com. Go there, join the Facebook community. Let us know what types of topics, what types of uh, guests you would like us to have. This is our show. This is your show. So we want to make it customized to you. And like Scott and I have said, in case you have missed it, uh, coming up here in May, we're going to relaunch the show in much of, of a different way. Instead of just doing episode after episode, now we're going to do seasons of the episode episodes. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a big subject and then we're going to break it down and have guest speakers kind of talk about that subject. So we might talk about, you know, mindset and then under that, you know, excuses and, and emotions. And we might talk about spirituality and the difference between religion and, the, and spirituality and all these different things. So we're going to be bringing that to you. So let us know what types of big segments you would like to see on that. I'd like to see you guys do a, an expose on this or that. Let us know what that is because we want to customize it for you guys so that every time you come here every Friday night at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time or when you listen to us on podcast, you get massive value for your for your buck, if you will, your time and your energy. And we just appreciate you guys so much for being here. For me, Mary Kay, it's it really comes down to, I love the fact that he talks about that intuitive eating because as a life coach, as somebody who's been a mindset coach for so many years now, I've helped people in that specific area. And I've seen it in my own life with, with people I've dated, um, having challenges with that. And it is, you know, you go on a diet and it's like, okay, immediately you got a negative connotation with it. Yeah. For me, I call it a healthy eating plan. And so I've constructed my life in such a way where I go through ebbs and flows, like summertime, I, I usually lean out before summertime and then summertime it's like hamburgers and hot dogs and within reason, moderation, but I enjoy myself. And I think there's really something to that without going into and starving yourself and being miserable saying, Oh, I can't have that. I can't have that. I can't have that. What does that do for our mindset? But when you're yeah. able to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you're able to apply, you know, a lot of the per principles that Jeff talked about and also the strategies in life with just one of the best things I've ever done is just like, take a bite, put the fork down, take a drink of whatever I'm drinking, have a conversation and then eat my meal that way. And I usually find that if I didn't do that, I would scarf down the whole meal and not have yeah. my stomach receptors and those hormones tell me that, Hey, dumbass, you're full. Um, and then I have leftovers for the next day. So it's like a two for one kind of thing, but to each his own, but out there guys, you know, we just implore upon you take better care of your health. I mean, there's, there's so many facets of this life that we get into. And when we start making better decisions that honor our body, that honor ourselves, that tell ourselves that we love ourselves, it's pretty incredible. It's what some dynamics in your brain will open up to and see possibilities in other areas of your life. But if you don't think that you're worthy enough to take better care of yourself, or, you know, one of the biggest excuses I hear is the no excuses coach is like, Chris, I can't afford it. And so I asked him, I said, okay, you know, relatively speaking, yes, it is more expensive, but the long, long standing goal of this 
is do you have time later on in life to go to the doctor's appointments? Do you have time later in life to take 15 different medications? Do you have time later in life to work your ass off, to spend money, to buy those medications that are only going to treat the symptom of the cause rather than the root of the cause? So what I do with my coach, with my clients is we get that mental mindset to sit there and say, okay, listen, much like Jeff saying, you can enjoy it, but go out there and do the work that you need to do and be, you know, careful with your choices so that ultimately you don't have those regrets later on in life. And that's what we want to avoid, ladies and gentlemen. We don't want you to get to the end of your life and look back and go, well, all I had to do was eat cabbage and, and, you know, and, and celery and, and kale and, and healthy fruits and vegetables and some avocado and things of that nature. I'll tell you this, Mary Kay, uh, just the other day I had a conversation with somebody and they were talking about, they can't afford it and all this other stuff. Give me all sorts of excuses. And I said, if you got cancer tomorrow, I said, you know, studies show that you can do, um, we had Rob Pryor on my, um, Ron unscripted show. He wrote a book about how to cure cancer with just different eating. And so I've talked to so many different people like that have done that. They go, Oh, I got cancer diagnosis. And I like our, our friend Heath, he, when he got his cancer diagnosis in his twenties, he started juicing and doing all these different things and yeah. alkalinizing his body and da, da, da. Now that's the way he lives. But I sat there and I said, I said, what, why isn't that we don't do that before we get the diagnosis? And that person was just yeah, like, wow. I said, so if you got cancer tomorrow, would you all of a sudden go, Hey, I got to juice. Hey, I got to eat kale. Hey, I got to do whatever I got to do. And the person said, yeah. And I'm like, so why not do it now? Why not do it now? Ladies and gentlemen, don't get to that spot where you're going to be regretting what it is that you're putting in your mouth. And I think of that for myself, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So the fingers are pointing back at me. We love you guys next Friday. Join us for another special episode while Scott is off playing with tigers in Tanzania. Next week, we have my dear friend, Patricia Geiget. She's going to be here and we have a special mystery guest. I'm not sure exactly who it Ooh. might be, but be here next Friday, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Let us know how we can serve you and go out there and have an amazing week. We appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for being here and we will see you here next time on the Unfiltered Experience. Cheers. Thank you, Mary Kay. You're Cheers. Awesome. Thank you for having me.